Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Today, the word of the Lord is putting the pieces together. Putting the pieces together. So over the last uh, several weeks, we've been talking on this whole idea of taking control of our thoughts, of renewing our minds. And so uh, today what I want to do is kind of wrap this up. We're in part five, uh, if you're keeping track. Um, If you've missed any of the weeks, I encourage you, get on our podcast. We have the audio available there. There's a link on our website. If you prefer video, you can get on there uh, on YouTube and search Victor Orlando Church, and you can see the videos there. Subscribe to our channel if you want. Um, But man, each week we've been just building uh, on this whole idea of renewing our minds, taking control of our thoughts, and what that looks for us, and how we do it. And so it's an incredibly important series for us because, man, if we're really going to begin to change what's happening on the external around us, we've really got to begin with where the process starts and in our thinking, right? We've got to begin to change our thinking if we're going to begin to change the way that we're living and believing. It starts with our thinking. So I don't know about anybody else, but um, it's incredibly easy for my thoughts to run wild sometimes. Anybody else ever have that? Just a couple of honest people in the house today. It's good to know who I'm talking to. No, I'm just kidding. But it's just true. Sometimes, like, have you ever, you know, like, wondered why your default isn't to like your chase the, the wild imaginations why don't they just chase the good imaginations instead right why do we always go to the worst case scenario i wish the default was the best case scenario right like it's just so true sometimes our thoughts can just get out of control and run wild and especially this last week we've seen the evidence of that right we see it in people all the time you know uh, when you go to the grocery store this week how many of you saw people who are living out the fears in their minds of the storm right that's why there's no waters and there's food you know because people are like what's gonna happen I don't know I'm gonna get wiped off the map and this storm is gonna be so bad like like sometimes we like the worst case scenario plays out in our thoughts and we've got to realize like as believers like that's why we have the Word of God and I'm so thankful for God's Word so that we don't have to live that way we don't have to live in fear we don't have to live with our minds just running out of control we can live with confidence and hope hope in the Word of God, right? That's why we don't have to live with anxiety. We don't have to live with fear. That's what the Word of God does is it provides hope to us so that we can renew our minds, so that we can live in the peace. And that's what God promised us, isn't it? Like that's the Word is God's promises to us. So we can live with those in our lives and we can uh, reap the fruits of those in our lives. So we're going to look at this whole idea today of putting these pieces together really is taking hold of the promises of God. Maybe you've heard that phrase before, holding on to the promises of God. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Right, so holding on to the promises of God, another way to say that where it's not so like a, a Christianese or Bible language is just believing God's promises are true and that they're for us. And believing it so much that it changes the way that I think and the way that I live. Right? 
believing God's word is true and believing that it's for me. And because I believe it that much, it then changes the decisions that I make and the things that I do, right? That's holding on to God's promises, holding on to them, never letting them go, taking hold of them there for me. Sometimes people are like, well, that sounds hard. Or like, how can I hold on to the word that way? And, and it's true. It is a change in the things that we hold on to. But so many times, I don't know if you've ever met people that hold on to their opinions. Right? Anybody? Nobody? Okay. So often people just hold on to their opinions. Some of us are that way where we think a thing and we hold on to our opinion more than we hold on to anything else. Right? And so as, as, a, as people, we've believed that it's easier to hold on to my opinion and never change what I think than it is to hold on to the word. And it's just not true. It's just what people have tricked themselves into believe that, well, I can't change. I just, this is what I, no. Like we can change our thinking. We've just got to begin to hold on to something else as the final authority, right? Okay, and that's the Word of God. So we're going to change our thinking. We're going to hold on to the Word of God more than we hold on to our opinions, more than we hold on to popular things, or more than we hold on to anything else. And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we're just open to everything. What I'm saying is we're just basing our opinions, we're basing our thoughts and our feelings on what God's Word says and not other things, right? So my opinions are up for debate according to what God says, what's in the Word, right? This is holding on to the Word, right? So... This is who we are. We are people. We are followers of Christ. We are people who believe what God says. We are people who believe God's word and we are storing it up in our hearts. Isn't that what Psalms 119 says? I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, right? We're putting God's word inside of us so that it can produce in us so that when there's a storm, we are ready. Right. So that's what happens when like in, in our in our city, in our state, people that weren't ready for the storm. What are they doing now? They're scrambling, waiting in lines, trying to figure things out. Right. But if we had just prepared ahead of time, we could have avoided all that and we would have been ready for the storm. It's the same process for us with God's word, with holding on to the promises. If we wait until there's a storm or a diagnosis or a lack or some kind of need in our life to begin to try to hold on to the promises, man, it's going to be a whole lot harder for us in the process. Had we just ahead of time been holding on to the promises, strengthening faith, building those things up inside of us so that when a storm would come, we're ready for it. Man, it's a whole different battle, right? We can approach it in a whole different way. So we've got to get to that place like just in that daily process, putting the word inside of us, building our faith up, beginning to be strong and ready for things that come our way because things are going to come our way. We can't control it no more than we can control what's going on right now. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. This has been our theme verse for this series. Maybe you've got it memorized by now. I'm just about there with it because we've been talking about it for the past several weeks. It says this, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So Paul's writing this instruction to the church. Hey, let the power of Christ work in you to transform your minds, right? He says that when we do that, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect Will. So in other words, we can change the thoughts that we're thinking. We have the ability to renew our minds. God has given us the instruction, and so he's given us the ability. He wouldn't ask us to do something that we're not able to do. All right? Come on, that's good. 
So we can renew our minds, right? We can change the things that we're thinking for us. And it's important because the things that we think on and dwell on the most are going to come out in our lives. I heard it said this way, the things that we think on the most, like that's, our, our lives are going to drift towards our most dominant thoughts. Right? So, man, wherever I find myself going back to all the time and the things that I find myself thinking about, that's the direction my life is going to drift towards. Right? We're gonna, it's going to come out in our lives. Right? Um, I love uh, scripture. It says in Deuteronomy, God gives us the same kind of instruction of, hey, you can choose to think on anything you want. You can renew your mind and you can know my will or you can not. You can do your own thing and think about your own things and, and, and that's going to produce in your life too. It, it goes all throughout scripture. In Deuteronomy, uh, God is bringing his people into the land and he says, hey, today I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And it's an open book test. And he says, choose life, right? All throughout Scripture, we see this process of God putting into our hands the ability to make the choice between life and death, right? We see this all throughout Scripture. It, here, it's the same thing he's, he's telling us in Romans 12. He said, today I'm, I'm giving you the ability to renew your minds, to choose between life or to choose between death. If we renew our minds, we know we're renewing our minds towards life through the truth of God's Word. Or if we just think on everything else, then that's going to end up producing death in our lives. So the choice is ours. It's, it's simple. We can choose one way or the other, right? So, but what God is doing is He's just He's given us the inside track. Right. So when we begin to live according to the word, when we begin to do what scripture says, like it's not so uh, it's so that God can show us the inside track. Here's how you live in joy. Here's how you live in peace. Here's how you live in victory. Here's how you experience all the blessings that I have for you is through his word. Right. So throughout this series, we've been looking at the Apostle Paul. Uh, and his life and all the things that he went through. Um, he had an amazing, crazy journey that he went on. Um, and it's just amazing that he was able to, with all this terrible stuff that he experienced, that he was able to still renew his mind. Right, so we see him in jail worshiping. Right, we see him um, experiencing floggings. We see him lost at sea. We see him experiencing all kinds of things, and yet he's able to respond in a way that most people would describe as crazy. Like, why are you worshiping when you're in jail? How are you able to have joy in the midst of all these things? It's because he had renewed his mind. So it seems like a supernatural way. Like people don't can't respond that way, but we can. We can learn to do it if we renew. Our mind. So here we see Paul in one of these situations at the end of his life. He wanted to go to Rome and be a preacher, but instead he went to Rome and he was a prisoner. He's chained up to a guard. He's in this place. And yet he writes this letter to the Philippians. If, uh, if you haven't read the book of Philippians lately, this is a great week to do it. Because here Paul is writing it from a prison cell. He, he's chained up to a Roman guard and he's waiting execution. He's waiting for that decision of will I lose my life today or will I be able to continue to live? Right. And here he is. He writes this letter all about joy, about finding pure joy. Right. Like, how do we do that? It's crazy that he's in this place writing about joy. And so many people in our world today have problems just finding joy in basic things and good things. Right. Like, you know, sometimes we're like, I'm not even happy about pumpkin spice lattes that are back. You know, like, sometimes like people don't even like their football team wins and they don't even have joy in that. Well, they didn't play as good as they did. The score wasn't as much as it was like, like just basic things. Sometimes we have trouble finding joy. And here Paul is in jail and waiting execution. And he's saying, here, I'm going to show you how to find pure joy. It's not just like joy or happiness, it's like pure joy. So he writes this letter to them, and then he concludes the letter this way. This is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, Don't be anxious about anything, 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Sometimes I like to read the scripture in reverse because it kind of unpacks it in a different way. So here's what he's saying. Hey, when you pray and you bring your request to God, you pray, but do that with thanksgiving. And when you do that in every situation, there's no need to be anxious, right? He's just backing this out. So don't be anxious, but in every situation, give thanks to God by, through prayer, right? So notice that he's not saying, hey, be anxious about some things. Okay, it's quiet. He didn't say be anxious about the things they talk about on the news or the track of the storm. No, he just said be anxious about nothing. Like, and it's amazing, right? Remember where he is when he's saying this. Like, he's waiting to find out if he's going to be executed. And he's saying, hey, don't be anxious about it. Like, I know like this week, you know, like there's just so many opportunities, especially before the storm turned a little bit. There's just a lot of opportunities for anxious thoughts, anxious feelings to come in and flood in. Right. That's why we've got to renew our minds in those places. And here Paul is saying, like, hey, even in those places, don't be anxious about it. But just instead, like, let's give thanks to the Lord. Let's let's spend some time in prayer, giving thanks to God for everything. And here's what happens when we do that. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. So you're not going to be able to explain it. You're not going to be able to use logic to achieve it. You're not going to be able to get it any other way except for this way. But it's because it's going to pass all understanding. It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that good? Come on, that is a good place. Like that we can have peace in the middle of turmoil. We can have the peace of God. And not just that we would have the peace. It says that it would literally guard us. It would protect us. It would be a shield around our hearts and our minds, right? Because the thoughts are coming, the feelings are coming, but God's peace protects us. It's, it's a protection around us, right? So we know now that anxious and peace are opposite. So worry, anxious, fear, all of those will be counterfeit to peace, to truth, to hope, right? To trust, right? Counterfeit, worry, anxiety are counterfeit to hope and peace, right? The word counterfeit means this. It means an exact imitation of something valuable or important with the intention to deceive or defraud. So the devil brings counterfeit to us. He brings worry. He brings anxiety. He brings these things that look like they're right on the surface, but they're just meant to trick us into a way of thinking that leads us towards destruction. Right, because an anxious thought never just stays an anxious thought. It always comes with another one, and it comes with the worry. It comes with the fear, and they begin to add up, and then it's big cousin depression comes, and now I just don't know what I'm going to do. I guess it is going to wipe me out the face of the earth, right? And if, you know, and if I don't have 18 cases of water in a generator, what am I ever going to do, right? It, it builds if we don't take control over it, but this is the promise of God, right? That we would have a guard, a protection around us for that, right? Uh, on this whole idea of counterfeit, uh, a couple weeks ago in our worship team practice, um, uh, Sharik was sharing with us on an article she had read about, uh, about how uh, people in the government find counterfeit bills. So they have a whole division of people that all they do is they study money all day. Somebody's thinking, I want that job. Let me look at money all day. <laughs> Right? This is their job. They study money. They, they look at it. They look at the paper, the ink, and how it's printed and the things that are on there. They spend their whole day, every week, every moment, studying what money looks like. So that then, when they see a counterfeit, it's so obvious because they know what the real thing is. They've studied it enough that you know, when a counterfeit bill comes, like they can spot it a mile away. Right? This is the process of renewing our mind to the Word. 
right? When we get the word in us, when we hide the word in our hearts, when we've been daily renewing our minds to truth, we do that. So when a counterfeit comes, man, I can see that coming a mile away. I can see the worries coming. I can see the fears coming. And like, I know that's not true. Truth is is that I don't have to be anxious. I can give thanks to God and everything. And he's going to guard my heart and mind with his peace. You can't explain it. And that's okay. I don't need to, right? Like it's like, it's, producing something in me that I'm able to spot the counterfeit that the enemy brings. So Paul goes on, next verse, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. That's a good phrase to underline, put it into practice. He says, and the peace of God will be with you. So he's given us the same instruction but just in a different way, right? He's saying, hey, renew your mind. Think on things that are good. Don't think on all the toxic. Don't think on all the bad. When you do that, the peace of God will be with you. But he has this phrase in there, put it into practice, right? Everybody say, put it into practice. Yeah, we got to put some things into practice, so it's got to move past. Oh, that was a nice message, Pastor. Thank you. It's got to be, it's got to move to where some things are put into practice, like some things that we do in our lives, right? James uh, describes it this way. He says, be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. So evidently, there will be people who are both. There will be people who are doers of what God's word says, and there will be people who just listen to it and then go about their regular lives, and there's no evidence of any change. There's nothing working in their lives because they just listened to it and went on their way, right? And so what he's saying here is he says, be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. And that's good. That's encouraging. That's inspiring. That can preach all day. But the next verse is sobering, right? He says, people that are just hearers only, they deceive themselves. Interesting phrase. So people that just hear the word of God and they never put it to work in their lives, they never put it to practice, they don't allow it to teach them, they don't allow it to correct them, they don't allow it to work out in their hearts, like they are just here as they just deceive themselves. So now they think they're good, they think they're building up faith, they think they're drawing close to God, when in fact they've just, they're not, they've deceived themselves. So the, the devil didn't even have to get involved because they've deceived themselves, right? So we, we've got to realize for us as believers, we've got to stop uh, chasing experiences. We've got to stop chasing, uh, you, you know, the, the, the tweetable quotes, the, the people on a platform. We've got to start getting into the word and letting the word have authority and priority in our lives. Right. So that's why we see so many people today shaken in their faith. Because they've put their faith, they've put what they know of God and what they experience of God into a place with lights and all the stuff. They put their, their faith and how they can hear from God into a person or a songwriter or a worship leader or a thought leader. And then when those people struggle because, hey, even if you're a pastor or a thought leader or a worship leader, you're a person, you still struggle with things, okay? Then when that person starts to struggle, then their faith is shaken and now I don't know what because that's how I encountered God. Right? So don't, don't put your faith in me. And like, You need to know God for yourself. You need to open the pages of the book. I'm just a tour guide in the process, helping us to like, hey, this is the way we're going. That, like, let's go to the Father. But we've got to go there. We've got to have faith in his word for ourselves. Right? We've got to know these things. We've got to be a doer. So can I say it this way? We've got to have more people who live in obedience to what God has already said. Like God has already said some things in the word. Like, and so often people just want, oh, I just need a new word. I just need a fresh. Listen, no, we just need to start living into obedience to what he's already said. Right? 
we've got to get settle this in our hearts that God's word is the authority. I'm going to move this for one second. Um, a couple weeks ago, my wife Heather, she ordered a chair online. I built her a desk uh, so she could work at home. and She ordered a chair online and it came and we were so excited for this chair. We opened it up, went to put it together and you know what was missing? The legs. <laughs> so we got this chair in our house with no legs. The interesting thing is when you sit in a chair with no legs, it's hard to reach stuff on the desk. To, I don't know what I'm typing on the email because I'm way down here and it's way up there. So we did what all of us would do. We got in touch with the company. We, uh, you know, uh, they said, okay, no problem. We'll send you another one. Okay, great. Please make sure it has legs. Of course. <laughs> so they send us another one. It comes a few days later. And you know what? We get it. We open it up and we get ready to put it all together. And you know what? There's no legs again. Now I have two <laughs> chairs in my house with no legs. It's exciting. We're still trying to find a chair with legs from my wife's desk. But as I sat in it one day, I started thinking about this whole process of, hey, when I have a chair and it's missing some pieces, the problem is, is it can't really do what it was designed to do. Now, this is comfy. This feels nice. Like, I could sit here, but I look a little silly. That's why you all have this expression on your face, and you're looking at me like, right now because this chair was not designed so that I could sit on the floor it was designed so I could sit up at a desk but since it doesn't have all the pieces it needs I look silly I can't do what I'm supposed to do I feel like I should be at the not even the kids table like the you know not lesser than the kids table you know like I can't do what I'm supposed to do because I don't have all the pieces that I need right it's the same thing in our, in, in our renewing our mind, in our walk with God. So often what we do is we just take one piece of something and we just run with that, hoping that this is going to cure all and, and make everything better, when in fact we've got to take the whole counsel of the word into consideration and put that to work in our lives. So what happens is, what happens with this chair anyway, is it becomes incredibly easy for then me to not want to be at the desk, not to want to sit in this chair, to be able to walk away from this thing that is good, but it's just not doesn't have all the pieces to it and now I, I like I don't even want it. it's not even useful to me it doesn't do its job it doesn't work for me and so what happens then is that people in their lives they take one thing and they they begin to think okay this is God this is everything that God has for me and then because they're lacking they're missing pieces it doesn't produce the way they think it's going to and then they begin to think well this Christianity stuff must not work it doesn't work for me God must not have heard my prayers or he doesn't want to do it for me or he loves them more or whatever that process is when in fact that's not it we just haven't put all the pieces together right so we've got to get all the pieces together so we can get things working in our lives right so I want to talk about this today right because it's not the word that's not working the word is alive it's powerful it says that the word produces in us when it's planted in good ground 30 60 and 100 fold so the word is always working so it must be something on our side that we've got to get in place so that the word will produce what it says it will do. So we're going to put some pieces together to, re to renew our minds. So what are these pieces? If you're taking notes, I want you to write a, uh, these three things down today. As the first one is prayer. If we're going to really put into practice in our lives, renewing our mind, it's got to begin with prayer. What did Paul write in Philippians 4? He said, hey, the pathway to peace is through prayer, right? That's what Make, take your prayer and petitions with thanksgiving and make them made known to God. And then the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. So if we're going to renew our minds, if we're going to begin to experience peace and, and deal with some things like that, then it starts in a place of prayer. right? 
And so if, if that's prayer, then what does prayer look like? Because sometimes people think prayer is just the big, you know, like the, uh, the traditional, like, Dear Heavenly Father, Thou art the greatest. And you pray in the King James, and if, that, like, if you pray in the King James, that's cool. But that's, that's one way to pray, but it's not the only way, right? Prayer is also like when you're in Publix and you're pushing down the aisle and you're just talking to your Heavenly Father because prayer at its most basic form is communication with our Heavenly Father, right? So prayer is talking to God. So maybe while you're driving, maybe while you're at work, maybe even while you're in that meeting or wherever it is that you're doing, like that's why he says pray always. So that doesn't mean I have to be locked up in a closet to pray always. I, I'm in just in constant communication with my Heavenly Father. Now, there should be moments where I'm alone with the Father praying. Right? Scripture says, uh, uh, I believe it's Mark chapter 135, that Jesus got up before it was light and went alone to pray. Now, if Jesus needed to be alone to pray, guess what? You ain't Jesus. We're going to need it a little more than he did. Right? So there's times where we do get alone, where we pray on our own. If you're married, there's times where you got to pray together. There's times if you have kids where, as a family, you need to gather around on a daily basis and pray together. One thing we do in my family is, man, before we all leave the house in the morning, we go to school, we go to work, like we gather together. One thing we're thankful for, and then we all pray together. It doesn't, like it's not a big thing, like it's just a quick thing, but man, we're just setting the tone for our day. We're getting our minds focused back towards prayer. Oh yeah, I'm involving God in my day today. It's this type of thinking, right? Because... Um, so many times, maybe you've heard people say this, is like they go through some things, they experience some things. Well, all we got, I guess we better pray. We're down to that. Anybody like, I guess all we can do is pray. Can you imagine God, what he's thinking when we say that? Like, oh, good. All you got is me now. <laughs> you know, like, he's got he's to wonder. We've just got to realize, like, prayer should be our first response, not a last resort. Right? So, like, even, in, even when we're making decisions, sometimes we act first and then you know we get in trouble and we want God to bail us out right and he does because he's a good father but what if we just begin to pray first and then act right and listen we need to act but we're just going to pray first right we're going to pray first it's a, it's a response uh, in the first week uh, we, I introduced you to Dr. Caroline Leaf she's a neuroscientist and she's got lots of great books on this whole thing of renewing our minds and changing our thoughts and I encourage you if you haven't looked her up do it if you haven't read some of her books they're, they're awesome go ahead and do those but she says this she has this quote that says it's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan prayer is powerful Prayer is powerful, right? That's why scripture says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. It accomplishes much. It does a lot. So it's changing things when we pray. It's changing things in the spiritual realm, the unseen realm, but it's also changing things in the natural, in our body, in our, uh, our chemistry. Now, we all have busy schedules, but I promise you we can all find 12 minutes a day. 12 minutes a day of focused prayer over eight weeks. Like, it's going to change the chemistry of your brain, and they'll be able to measure it in a scientific way. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Simple discipline as much as prayer. Like, we can change our thinking, right? So what does Scripture say? When we pray according to the will of God, right, we can know that He hears us and we'll have what He asks us, right? What we ask of Him. So how do we pray according to the will of God? So when we pray according to the will of God, the, the revealed will of God that we have is the scripture, is the word, right? So if we want to pray the will of God, the best way is to pray what the scripture says. 
Right? So when you're praying protection of your family, Lord, I thank you that your angels surround my family, that they encamp about them, they keep them safe, they take them up, right? right? We begin to pray, no weapon formed against us will prosper, right? We pray what scripture says. When you need provision, Lord, I thank you that you are my provider. Like, because I'm generous, Lord God, I thank you that you're making my world larger, Lord. Like, we begin to pray what scripture says, right? We, when we do that, man, things begin to happen because it's already the will of God. So first we need, the first piece we need is prayer. And the second piece we need is the word. Like prayer and the word go together, but we need this piece in our lives. We need the word. We need to uh, utilize the word more effectively in our Christian life, right? Because it says that it is the sword of the spirit, right? The, the word of God is our effective weapon that we fight battles with, right? So what we've, we've got to really get to the place where we settle in our hearts, what we believe about the word, where we settle in us that the word has authority and priority in our lives. So it's not just some nice books that were written. It's not just some nice words on a page. No, the word of God is actually authority and it's priority in my decision making, in my thinking, in the things that I do, in the direction that I lead my family. Like the word of God is authority and priority, but each of us have to decide that in our, in our hearts for ourselves. We just live in a day and time where people want to discredit the word of God. They want to say, well, it's just this. It's just some nice books. People actually wrote it. But in fact, Scripture tells us, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says this. It says, all Scripture. Everybody say, all Scripture. All Scripture, all scripture is God-breathed. Yeah, it's God-breathed. That means that people did write it. In fact, about 40 authors authored the Bible. But according to Scripture, they wrote what God spoke to them. That God, His Spirit moved on them and they wrote down the things that God spoke to them. Also, all Scripture is God-breathed. And it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that, which that phrase right there, so that, you'll see that all throughout Scripture. And what that does, that phrase, is it helps us assign purpose the, the previous part. So he's telling us the word is important, that it corrects us, it teaches us, it trains us. Why? Why do we need that? He says, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Man, God wants us to be equipped. He wants us to have the things we need. He doesn't want us to be without. He doesn't want us to be lacking. He doesn't want us to try to go off into a spiritual battle without his help, without his power. He doesn't want us to try to renew our minds just on our own, right? Because when people just try to renew their minds or, or think in a different way without involving God and his power, then it just becomes all about their works. Oh, I did this. You see, I'm doing these things. Well, no. If we do something without involving God and his power, like we're, it's not going to lead to life and what God has for us. So there's, there's a line there that we have to be careful. We're involving God in this process. So here he's saying, hey, I've got equipment for you. I want you to be equipped. I want you to have what you need. Like all throughout scripture, we read this about who God is. Like, and to me, like the fact that there's 40 different authors and that they all write about from different times. In fact, the Bible was written over a period of about 1,500 years on multiple continents by multiple writers. Like to me, that even solidifies the fact that, hey, it shows us the nature and the character of who God is. It tells one story. Man, it just, it all goes together and you can't make that up. You can't convince me because I've settled in my heart. Man, the word is authority in my life. The word is the final authority. It's priority in my life. So even before I consult other things, like I'm going to consult what does God's word have to say about this thing that I'm getting involved in. Like we have to let the word become active in us, right? It has to become active. It's part of renewing our minds, right? 
So uh, one thing that um, I want we're going to start doing here over the next several weeks, next few months, is I've got cards like this for you guys today on these little uh, rings like this, and uh, they'll have them for you on the way out. But they've got just these little scripture cards on there with scriptures. And so what I want you to do is take one today, but each day just begin to say these scriptures out loud, right? So the one that I've got two for you today that are on there. First one is what we've been talking about, Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends your heart, uh, all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. That's good. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, right? So we're going to say these out loud every day and where it's found, right? Right? The, the address, so you know where to find it, right? Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand, right? So each week as you come over the next several weeks, bring these with you. I'm going to give you a new one to add uh, each week. Um, and you just got a little ring. You can open them right there, and you'll be able to put them on there. Because, man, it's just so important for us to put the Word of God into our lives, to begin to get it in us, to begin to meditate on it, to begin to speak it, to begin to read it, to begin to write it. So I left the, black, the back blank. Right? The back of each card is blank on purpose because I want you to write it on the back, but I want you to personalize it right? because this is God's word for you. right? So I'm going to say the way that I pray Philippians 4 when I pray it is I, I'll read it like it is so that, it, so that I'm memorizing it so it's getting inside of me. But then I begin to pray, Lord, I thank you that I don't have to be anxious about anything because I give you, God, I just give you thanks in everything that I'm facing right now. And I know that your peace is a protection. It guards my heart and mind. And then I begin to pray it over my daughter. And I begin to pray it over my wife. So that's why the back is blank. I want you to write it on there. All right? Good? So you get these on your way out. Like, what, what are we doing? We're, we're taking more of the pieces of that God has for us, putting it to work in our lives. We're putting it to practice. We're hiding the word in our heart. We're storing it up, right? We're getting ready for the things that are coming our way. We're speaking it. We're writing it. We're meditating on it, right? So another piece. Here's the third one I want to give us today, right? is this, is perseverance. So we're putting the pieces together. We need prayer. We need the word. We need to speak it. We need to write it. We need to memorize it. And we need some perseverance, right? Because uh, how many of y'all know it's not called the good fight of faith for nothing, right? It's the good fight of faith. So there's going to be some battles. There's going to be some things we go through. And that's okay. That's the journey that we're on. That's why God said, I want you to be equipped. I want you to be mature. I don't want you to be lacking anything. I want you to have everything that you need so that you can experience victory, so that you can live in joy, so that you don't have to be tormented by fear, so that you don't have to be burdened down by worry. No, I want you to have everything you need, but it's going to take some, some perseverance, some don't give upness. You know, like some tenacity to hold on to something, to hold on to the promises, to believe it when everything looks like it's not going to work out. You need to have some determination about you where you're willing to withstand the storm, right? We need some things to, to keep at it. So, so often people are like, yeah, I, I tried that confession thing yesterday. Oh, yesterday. What about today? No, it didn't work. So you tried it once and you like, no, we got to keep at it. We gotta persevere through. We're gonna push through. You know, like like the song, like "Don't Stop Believing." Right now, I got you. Now y'all are with me. <laughs> right? We gotta we gotta keep at it. We need some perseverance. James chapter one. It says it this way, verse two. He says, "Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds." I wonder when was the last time uh, we found joy when we went through a trial. <laughs> You know, that's a rhetorical question, but like evaluate that in your heart. Like when was the, I'm going through some things, did I find joy in it? He's saying consider joy when you face trials and, and things. Like 
You know, so when things aren't working right, that's the place he's saying we're meant to find joy. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work in you. Here we see it again so that you can be mature, so that you'll be complete and not lacking anything. It's not so that you'll have a bad day. It's so that you'll grow a little bit, so that you'll be more mature, so that you'll be have more completeness in who God has called you to be, so that you, you'll be not lacking anything. So if we want to defeat a spirit of anxiety or, or depression that's plagued our family, we want to defeat a spirit of divorce that's, that's plagued our family for years, what is it going to take? It's going to take some prayer. It's going to take the Word, and it's going to take some perseverance. Like we got to stay after it. It's going to take us fighting the good fight, going after it. Those are the people who are going to walk in victory. Those are the people who are going to have peace. Those are the people who are going to have abundance, who are going to see God move in great ways. So what do we do? Man, we pray. We give thanks for God in everything. And maybe it's a difficult day. God, I just thank you for what you're doing. There's always something we can give thanks to him for. He is good to us. He's good all the time. So if we begin to pray with thanksgiving, man, God, I thank you. Thank you for everything good that you're doing in my life. I thank you for my family, for my wife, for my kids. I thank you. Man, I was thanking God even this week. Thank you, God, we have the team center. It might not be the building we want, but thank you, God, we got this. We have something. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, God. We can give thanks to God and everything. We pray with thanksgiving, and then we begin to incorporate the word into our prayers. Sometimes people are like, Pastor, I don't know what to pray. Scripture tells us when you don't know what to pray, hey, begin to pray in the Spirit. That's what it, you're all right. He says, pray in the spirit when you don't know what to pray because the spirit through groanings that we can't explain, like prays for us. He intercedes for us. So if you don't know how to pray in the Holy Spirit, man, today's a good day to get filled with the spirit and begin to let him pray. When you don't know what to pray, hey, tell I don't know what to pray right now. Begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that you give me the words to say even when I don't know what to say. Man, when we begin to pray that way, man, powerful, powerful. And we begin to pray the words. You don't know what to pray? Open up the scriptures. Get these cards out. God, I thank you that I don't have to think about anything. I don't have anxious. I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be worried. But I'm giving you thanks in every situation. And because I'm doing that, your peace is guarding my heart and guarding my mind. We're praying the word. And then we got to stick to it. And then later in the day, the thoughts come back at you. Get the cards back out. Get the word back out. Get back in prayer. Like, like it's perseverance. It's staying at it. It's holding on to it. So why don't we do it right now? Let's just jump to our feet all across this room and let's begin to pray. Let's begin to give God thanks for some things. Let's begin to put some things to practice in our lives because today is one thing. We're here in the atmosphere of faith right now, but in just a little bit, we'll be going home. We'll be going through some, some things tomorrow and we're going to continue to put those things to practice in our lives tomorrow, the next day, and the next day. Lord, I thank you that even right now, a spirit of faith is rising up on the inside of us. Lord God, I just pray even a spirit of determination to hold on to your promises is rising up in the hearts and the minds of your people. Determination, stick to itiveness. Lord God, to some tenacity to believe your word, to stand when everything else seems like it's falling to pieces, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God. I just pray right now that by the power of your spirit, Lord God, that the truth about your word is being settled in our hearts, that we wouldn't be back and forth on it anymore, but let today be a day, Hurricane Dorian Sunday, where we decided, hey, God, your word is true, and I believe it, and no one can convince me otherwise. So, Lord, I thank you just for settling that in our hearts right now. Thank you, Lord God.